Who are the people that you're out to make a difference for? I've been on a brain health journey now for the last nine years. If you're consistent and crafty, there's nothing stopping you from growing your business. I'm Richard Gerhart. And I'm Elizabeth Gerhart. You've just heard some snippets from our show. Stay tuned for the rest. Want to patent your invention? The chance is near. You've given it heart. Now get it in gear. It's Passage to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. I'm Richard Gearhart, founder of Gearhart Law, full service intellectual property law firm. And I'm Elizabeth Gearhart, not a lawyer, but I work at Gearhart Law doing the marketing and I have my own startup. Welcome to Passage to Profit, everyone, the show that's all about entrepreneurship, small businesses, and the intellectual property that helps them flourish. We have a very special guest, a thought leader of thought leaders, Nikki Ballou. He's the co-founder of eCircle Academy, and he's an advisor for entrepreneurs, and I'm really looking forward to speaking with him. Me too. And then we have two presenters, Daniel Carcillo with Wasana Health. He is going into a brand new area of health, and it's really exciting, and I can hardly wait to hear what he says about this. And then Jav Sid with Cut and Make Crafts, and what she's doing is fascinating. She is so creative, and the things she does are so cool. You just have to hear her explain it. That sounds great, but before we get to our distinguished guests, it's now time for IP in the News, and what are we discussing today, Elizabeth? Well, artificial intelligence has been ruled by the patent office that it alone cannot be an intellectual property holder. It right. can't it own can't it. can't be the basis for a patent. Right. But it's sneaking its way in by doing partnerships with people. <laughs> <laughs> Those sneaky computers. Get ready for the matrix for sure. Right. Do you want to talk about this? Sure. This is a copyright case and a New York City artist was granted a copyright for the first time by the Library of Congress for an artistic work that was generated by artificial intelligence. And I really think that that's pretty interesting. First of all, if you're a computer, you can get intellectual property for copyrights, which are artistic works of expression, but you can't get a patent, which protect invention. So it's really interesting how the field of intellectual property and artificial intelligence is evolving, and it seems to be going in two different paths. And and I have to say that since copyrights deal with artistic works of expression, like movies, books, paintings, sculptures, all of those things, that it's really kind of interesting that a machine can create an artistic work of expression and pass the test for creativity, where normally that would be something you think would be a human trait. Right. And since this is intellectual property news, I have to give credit. So this was an article on U.S. News written by Adam Schrader. The artist was Chris Castanova, and there's a quote in her. So she said, I tried to make a case that we do own copyright when we make something using AI. I registered it as visual arts work. So she did have input into it. So it wasn't just AI. It was, I think, her work too. I just think that's interesting because I think a lot of people are using AI. And approval by the Copyright Office is sort of a stamp of artisticness and creativity. And so the fact that machines are evolving now to the point where they can meet that standard, which we only thought humans could meet, is interesting comment on the uh, development of technology. So, so creators, feel free to use AI. <laughs> it's not going to hurt you, apparently. A lot of the artists I know are like computer phobic, right? They would not touch one if they didn't have to. But anyway, it's time for Richard's Roundtable. Nikki Ballou, welcome to the show. So nice to have you here. What are your thoughts on this? It's fascinating as all get out. 
that uh, the government is recognizing that machines can create art and is granting copyrights to them. I'm curious as to why they wouldn't also recognize patents in the same way, but it leaves opportunities open for producers and creators to use these machines to create a lot of good work. So I think that's good. As long as the work is moving and it is creative and does something for you on an emotional level, does it matter whether a human created it or a computer? Interesting question. Daniel, what are your thoughts on this? It's an interesting world that we're living in, but it's exciting. And I think that if you can get creative enough within the constructs of getting protection and NIP around building a business and setting that foundation, I think all the power to people. Jeff, what are your thoughts? It's kind of tricky. Like in one way, it's a really good thing that there are laws in this area because uh, as someone who sells digital cut files, uh, digital graphics, it gets very complicated at times when users don't understand what their rights are and how they're supposed to work with the files. And they take it very lightly. Now that there are laws which are related to the machines, it's like we are moving forward rather than moving backward. So I think it's, it's a great thing. Yeah, I think it's interesting that for once the law is kind of keeping up in technology, usually it lags behind it for you know, about five years. But in this case, they're addressing the question early. And that brings us to Nikki Ballou. He's the co-founder of eCircle Academy and advisor for Entrepreneur. And he is the host of the Thought Leader Revolution podcast. He is the number one podcaster on this topic of thought leadership. So we're really looking forward to speaking with you, Nikki. How did you get interested in the subject of thought leadership? That's a fantastic question. A few years ago, I was a top-rated health and fitness coach. I worked, I had a brand called the CEO Health Coach. I worked with a lot of top CEOs. I worked with billionaires. I worked with number one salespeople. I worked with Olympic gold medal athletes, world record holders, and all that good stuff. And I'd been going through a period of transition in my life. I, I'd gone through an unexpected marriage breakup, and it had me do a whole lot of soul searching. And the very last fitness client I had was a really interesting guy. His name was Michael. So Michael and I, at the end of every workout, we'd go take a, uh, you know, a steam bath together and we just have this little two-person mastermind going on. And one of these days that we were doing this, I just looked over to him. I said, you know what, man, I really enjoy these talks. We should like expand this mastermind to more people, you know, and, and have these great conversations. He looked at me and all of a sudden he just fixed me with this thousand yard death stare. And he said, that's a great idea. And we should call it the entrepreneur circle and we should charge for it. And lo and behold, that's what we started to do. We started our podcast and lo and behold, we're over 400 episodes. We interviewed some incredible people on it, like Ken Blanchard, the one minute millionaire, Dr. John Maxwell is the world's leading expert on, on leadership. The founders of chicken soup for the soul, Jack Canfield, Mark Victor Hansen, Oprah Winfrey's coach. Marie Forleo, and all kinds of tremendous people. And we've attracted people who are excited about the prospect of using that genius within to monetize a beautiful, brilliant business that pays them wonderful money while they have the greatest impact possible on the people in the world. And my father, he was an entrepreneur and he was the greatest man I knew. Dad would uplift people all the time. If you needed a job, dad would get you a job. 
If you were going to get a start in business, he would help set you up, even if you were competing with him, because that wasn't what was important to him. What was important to him was to help people. And if you worked for him and you were looking to buy a house, a car, an apartment, you didn't have enough money, dad would make up the difference and help you get that. And you might be thinking to yourself, who does that? Well, my dad did that. First of all, you know, he was he was a man of faith and he believed he'd been blessed by God and he had an obligation to share those blessings with everybody else. But he also did it because he had the financial wherewithal and he could, you know, and that's made me want to be just like my dad. He's a man who I wanted to be like. So I became an entrepreneur. Here's what I saw when I became an entrepreneur, that a lot of good people, and maybe you folks listening can relate, they want to make a difference for their fellow man and woman, but they don't want to come across like they're pushy. They don't want to come across like they're salesy. They don't want to come across like they reek of commission breath whenever they're around somebody, <laughs> right? <laughs> so I worry about coffee breath. I've never worried. I've never thought about commission breath. <laughs> so these folks, they don't go after business that they should go after because of that. And as a result, the good people they could be helping don't get help by them. And maybe you can relate, right? And so some other person, some charlatan marketer with no compunction about whether or not they help people will just go out there, they'll sell the sizzle, they'll get the business and they don't care whether they deliver or not. And I saw that. And it was just because people had a negative connotation around the world sales. And I thought to myself, well, what if we reframe selling into serving? Nobody wants to be sold, but everybody wants to be served by a caring advocate. And if you want to make $30,000 in 30 days, that's a fantastic question. The first thing you got to do is you got to come from serving people. Who are the people that you're out to make a difference for? Because remember, everyone that you're doing business with is someone's son, someone's daughter, someone's brother, someone's sister, someone's father, someone's mother. They're a hero to somebody. They've got hopes, dreams, fears. They've been disappointed by life and they've been disappointed by someone who's in your position, who's let them down, who's promised them the moon and not delivered. And you've got to be that man, that woman who's all about making that difference for that individual. you got to give them your heart. you got to care about them and love on them, whether or not they do business with you. And you've got to say to yourself in every interaction you have with your fellow human being, I am going to give this person all I got. I'm not going to give up on them. I'm not going to let them down. And I'm going to come from service. If you do that and you don't let this thought of, oh, my God, am I pushy? Am I salesy? Do I reek of commission breath come in your way? <laughs> and you let yourself have the appropriate number of conversations with people that need your help. You will hit $30,000 a month. That's point one. Point number two is, though, you can't have a mail message. You can't sound like everybody else. Someone asks you what you do. You can't say, I help people deal with overwhelm. I mean, that's wonderful, but that's not a problem anyone's looking to solve. But if you solve a problem called, I help you secure your patents so you don't have to worry about your hard-earned work going down the drain, or I help repair relationships that look like they're beyond repair, or I help heal people's health who've got diabetes, who are at risk of stroke and heart disease, I help get rid of all that. Now, those are real problems. And you need your message to be fine-tuned to address those real problems. When you do that, people are going to chime in to you. They're going to dig your message because they know you're a good person, you care about them, and you actually have the skills to solve a real problem that is vexing them, that is hurting them. Because remember, what did we say business was? Business was a people game, not a numbers game. Write this down. Business is a people game, not a numbers game. 
and business is about solving acute, acute, that's level nine or 10 problems for people. That's all it is. And that's what you need to do if you want to make $30,000 in the next 30 days. If you just do that, if you show that you care, if you come from your heart, if you come from love, if you come from making a difference, and if you get your message dialed into the point where people understand how you can help and how you can help them with their acute problems, $30,000 a month is going to be like, you'll be able to add even a zero at the end of that and take it to $300,000. Okay, I can tell Richard's dying to say something here. No, (laughs) well, this is good stuff. And I just wanted to say, I think that's just a really great way to look at things. And I I feel like I've learned something today. So you have learned something. And a lot of marketing is wordsmithing. But what I like about your approach is that you're not just changing the words, you're feeling it, you're changing the feeling. Yeah. And that comes through when you're dealing with people, I strongly believe. I agree with that. I think that when you're talking to a client or another person or business people are talking, it's really the human connection that creates the business, right? It's the feeling that the people get between each other that ultimately creates the connection that leads to the sale or whatever you call it, the transaction. So Nikki, you have a course on teaching people to be thought leaders. We really curate incredible people. And when you're around people who are also hard driven who want to make a difference it's just wonderful to be in the same space whether it's over zoom or whether it's in person and you get to learn from each other incredibly i was having a group coaching session with folks and they asked me a question about how to help them solve a particular problem that was going to help them you know add another thirty thousand dollars frankly to their mastermind sales in a month and i gave them what i thought was a pretty good answer and then someone else in the group said actually can i chime in and uh i said yeah sure chime on in And they gave a better answer than I did, like a way better answer. And I said, that's good. Do what she said. (laughs) So anyway, we have to take a break, but we'll be right back. This is Passage to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gerhardt, special guest, Nikki Ballou, co-founder of eCircle Academy and host of the Thought Leader Revolution podcast. We'll be back with more Nikki right after this. What are entrepreneurs' most valuable assets? Their passion and ideas. We can't protect your passion, but we can protect your ideas. Trust Gearheart Law to protect your ideas with premier patent, trademark, and copy right services. There's never been a better time to start your own business. Contact us at gearheartlaw.com. At Gearheart Law, we have years of experience protecting entrepreneurs' ideas and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at Gearheart Law. www.gearheartlaw.com. Don't let the wrong protection strategy ruin your business. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection and are licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Contact Gearheart Law on the web at G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. Together, we can change the world. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Now back to Passage to Profit. Once again, Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. Special guest, Nikki Ballou, and he's just had some amazing insights and amazing advice. I feel so motivated right now uh, that <laughs> well, I want to go out and he, start serving people, right? He is so, a thought leader after all. <laughs> he is a thought leader. So Kenya, uh, do you have any thoughts or questions for Nikki? One of the things I thought about is like, what makes a good thought leader like what are some of the attributes of someone that's a good thought leader number one is you got to care about your fellow man and woman that's first and foremost you know i call that being a heart leader that's being a thought leader who leads from the heart and i think that's super super important because you know people have evolved you know what i mean 
and buyers have evolved in the marketplace and they can spot a phony a mile away. And they're not into that 1950s, 1960s, 70s style fuller brush salesman. It's got this, it does that, it cuts, it makes breakfast. They're not into that <laughs> stuff anymore. They're looking for a real human being who's out there to make a difference for them. And I got to tell you, one of the things we teach our clients is learn who to say no to, even if they want to give you money, even if you really could use the money, you should say no to certain people because you're not the best solution for them. I'll tell you a story of a coaching client we had. This fellow was a phenomenal relationship coach. Okay. And he specialized in working with men going through relationship crisis. I either wife said, bye-bye, sayonara, get out of here. He specialized in helping turn that around, or if it couldn't be turned around, at least, you know, having it move forward in such a fashion that it wouldn't utterly devastate and destroy all parties involved. You know what I mean? So there was an opportunity that came his way to do some business mediation. Okay. And he could use the money at that point. He was, he was having a bit of a lean spell and he came to me and he said, should I take this? And I said, well, tell me, do you think you'll do a good job for the client? And he looked at me and said, I'll do it. I'll do a decent job. I said, no, 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 no. Will you do the type of job that you're able to do? Like, you know, the type of job I'm talking about, what you did for that client, that client, the other client. And, you know, he looked at me and he said, you know what? No. So he turned them down. They were shocked. They were ready to write him a check. Money was no object for them. And he said, look, this just isn't my area of expertise. I'll get you somebody else who is way better with this than I am. And here's what was absolutely amazing for him. The people at that company could not believe this guy turned down sure business because he didn't think he was the right person to do it. They started telling everybody, and I mean everybody. So this guy's fame spread in the business world, you know, that these folks dealt with. And as you can imagine, some senior executives at these organizations heard about this fellow. And a couple of them called him up when they were going through marriage difficulty. They didn't even think of calling somebody else. They called this guy. They just paid him what he asked. And he was able to help them and, and get a really, really good result for them. Why yeah. is that? He's the Santa what? Claus in Miracle on 34th Street. You got it. Well said. Well said. That's one of my favorite movies of all time. So as a thought leader, you need to know what business to say no to. Okay. And secondarily, your message has got to be dialed in and it cannot be about you and your secret sauce and how great you are at what you do. Nobody wants to hear about that. Can you? Nobody wants to hear about your program, how amazing it is. Now you might like your program, grant you, it may be a great program, but you know what people are interested in? They want to know how you can help them. They want to know if you understand their problems. They want to know if you truly care. They want to know if you're able to solve that problem. Your entire focus in all of your thought leadership and all the IP you create shouldn't be about how awesome your IP is, but it should be how amazingly well you can solve problems for people with your IP. Because that's when people become interested in finding out about your IP. In any given marketing conversation or sales conversation, 95% of the conversation should be about your client, their problem, and their aspiration. That's it. What's their problem? Where do they want to go? What's the hell they're in? What's the heaven they want to get to? And that should be at most 5% of the conversation. If you do that, then people will become intensely interested in your IP, in you, because they'll get the sense that A, you care, and B, that you actually know what the heck you're talking about and you can actually help them. 
that's when they'll start to become raving fans, raving advocates of you and what you do. I think that's great advice. You know, that's being a good listener and showing whoever it is that you're working with that after you understand the problem, you have an approach that sounds logical to them is the first step in any business relationship. Great, great points. I just want to ask him, what was it like to interview Barbara Cochran from Shark Tank? Man, she's super bright. It was a lot of fun interviewing her. Who was your favorite guest on Thought Leader Podcast? My favorite guest is someone you've probably never heard of. His name is Mark Von Muser. And I actually love him as a guest so much that I hired him to be my mentor. And I've had him on the show eight times. He really? has been on more than any other guest. No other guest has been on more than three times. If you ever go listen to my show, I'd look up any of the episodes with Mark and have a listen to them. You'll get a ton of value out of there. But to me, if you're asking me what a thought leader's job is, yeah, it's your job to develop your IP. Yeah, it's your job to have great information for people and be able to solve problems for them. But your biggest job is to care about that person enough that they can see it and they can feel it. Because the great American poetess, Maya Angelou, once said, people will forget what you said to them. People will forget what you did for them. But people will never, ever forget how you made them feel. And that's Very your amazing. job. Make them feel loved and cared for. I can only think, Nikki, that you have helped a lot of people in those situations, you deserve a lot for that. So yeah, what a great way to live your life. Absolutely. So, Passage to Profit with Richard Elizabeth Gerhardt, our special guest, Nikki Ballou. If you missed anything he said, you really do want to go back and hear it. And it will be on our podcast tomorrow, anywhere you find your podcasts. Right now, we're going to break. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Lisa Askley, the inventress, founder, CEO, and president of Inventing A to Z. I've been inventing products for over 38 years. Hundreds of products later and dozens of patents. I help people develop products and put them on the market from concept to fruition. I bring them to some of the top shopping networks in the world. QVC, HSN, Evine Live, and retail stores. Have you ever said to yourself, someone should invent that thing? Well, I say, why not make it you? If you want to know how to develop a product from concept to fruition the right way, contact me. Lisa Askeles, the inventress. Go to inventingatoz.com, inventingatoz.com. Email me, lisa at inventingatoz.com. Treat yourself to a day chock full of networking, education, music, shopping, and fun. Go to my website, inventingatoz.com. Passage to Profit continues with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. We have just been moved by Nikki Ballou's really powerful story, really demonstrating how the impact that truly caring about somebody and helping them can have on somebody's life. And it can I can make you rich too. And it can make you rich too. But anyway, mm -hmm. Kenya, tell us about Power Move. For Power Move, we're going to talk about entrepreneur Zeb Evans. So Zeb Evans almost died three times, not once, not twice, but three times. And he attributes these experiences to helping him overcome challenges and be a better entrepreneur. So today he's 33 years old and he is the founder of ClickUp, which is a productivity software company. They employ 1000 people and raised $535 million in venture capital. And it's valued at $4 billion. So after a ruptured appendix, ski accident, Evan says these near-death experiences gave him something more valuable than the billions of dollars his company is worth. 
Wow. Wow. Good for him. 33 wow. years old. But the story to our listeners is don't go out and nearly kill yourself in yeah. order to create a billion dollar business, right? Yeah. It's not worth it. I think the story is if you want to make a lot of money really fast, get a tech business going. Yeah, which is what you're all about. For those of you who haven't heard this before, it's an online video directory of small businesses. And I've been working on it for a while and I've been updating people on my progress every week. So I filed my non-provisional patent application a couple of weeks ago with Richard's name on it too, because he contributed. It was all your idea. No, you she's contributed just, she's ideas. She's playing the political angles no. to get me. But I want to say that writing the patent application, I drafted it myself. I'm a patent agent. Drafting the patent application really helped me define what the idea was and how it was going to work. But then after I did that, now I have to find some money for it. So I'm we're using personal money, but I want to go after this one particular loan. I sat down and I totally redid my whole business plan. I've been working with coaches for a while and we redid a lot of stuff in how this is going to work. So I totally redid my business plan and I even put financials and I put very conservative projections and I can see how tech companies can make. If you can scale, if you figure out how to scale, you can really make a lot of money really fast. And I had some novel ideas for scaling that I hadn't thought about before doing my business plan. So doing the business plan, I mean, you need to do it if you're ever going to go after money from anybody, but you need to do it for yourself. And I did, I did not do the lean startup business plan. I did the full blown everything I had business plan, but it really gave me a better feel for how this thing is really going to work going forward. I had timelines. I had what I'm going to try to accomplish every quarter, the whole shebang. So that was really useful. Well, when you become a tech mogul, you're not going to kick me out the door for some boy toy, are you? You know me better than that. Anyway, right. with that ridiculous comment, I want to hear about this Wasana Health with Daniel Carcillo because this is cutting edge new stuff and he is right on the cusp with this. So welcome, Daniel. Tell us all about Wasana Health. I come from the world of being a professional athlete. I was a professional athlete in the NHL for 12 years. I won two Stanley Cups with the Chicago Blackhawks. I fought 164 times and I suffered from seven traumatic brain injuries and probably hundreds of others that were undiagnosed. At the age of 30 in 2015, I was dealing with early onset dementia. So things like short-term, long-term memory loss, appetite loss, slurred speech, headache, head pressure, insomnia, impulse control issues, on top of anxiety, depression, and suicidal ideation. And so I had to make a decision to step away to regain my health. I've been on a brain health journey now for the last nine years. The first five years is dedicated to listening to the white coats, essentially the medically accepted treatments. So going to stroke rehabilitation centers, CTE brain banks, learning about neurodegenerative disease, reading as many PubMed papers as I could to understand what happened in my brain and how I could fix it. And I got to a point where I became extremely dark, suicidal, started to make plans to unburden my family and friends around me. And the number one cause of death is suicide after a traumatic brain injury. It happens a lot with women of domestic violence, athletes, as well as our veteran community. And luckily I was saved by an invitation to go to a decriminalized city in Denver, Colorado, and try a new treatment, which has been approved two times now, FDA breakthrough therapy designation with the FDA. Uh, in psilocybin. So it's the active ingredient in magic mushrooms. 
And I went there, sat with a PhD biochemist who was able to properly create an environment. The environment is much more important than the actual medicine that you're taking. And I had a really great experience. I took a very high dose of psilocybin, which is what's happening in a lot of these clinical trials right now through the FDA. And I woke up the next day, I describe it as feeling the way I should. Uh, I'm a very big advocate for mental health, concussion, but also diagnostics. So taking a picture of our blood, biomarkers, and then the brain, which I did before the ceremony. And then I took another picture of all of that uh, six months after. So one high dose of psilocybin, uh, a low dose therapy, which is non-hallucinogenic over an extended period of time, six months to be exact, retested my brain and blood. All of my symptoms were either lessened in intensity or all but faded away within that time period. And the brain scan came back with no abnormalities and the blood work came back the same. So then I started to advocate for decriminalized nature and use my platform and talk about what had happened to me to hopefully help. There's over 6 million people that go to the ER every year for concussion and there's no FDA approved pharmaceutical yet. Uh, we just get prescribed Wellbutrin and antidepressants that tend to increase other symptoms as well as suicidality. And so decided to create a company. I raised uh, $22 million, took a company public within three months. And then we recently just spoke to the FDA in March, March 11th in a pre-IND meeting. So an IND is Investigational New Drug Application. Mm -hmm. And I filed two method patents. So nothing on the actual substance. Uh, we will file more formulation patents to protect ourselves for this program. We'd love and, to hear that. <laughs> I was just going to say on the pharmaceutical side, uh, patents are, are the thing. So um, I'm definitely following the right path there. How is the FDA responding to this new treatment? I can imagine you're blowing a few minds over there. Absolutely not. No, this research has been going on now since 2013. And the FDA actually fast-tracked our progress. So they told us that we didn't need to put it into healthy human beings because, like I said, this has already been designated FDA breakthrough therapy designation. There was a recent survey done that over 15 million people are using psychedelics just in America alone and have been for quite some time. And you guys aren't hearing about you know, deaths related to it, uh, specifically psilocybin, the LD50, uh, lethal dose is over 1500 grams. So you just can't eat enough to die. So um, it's a pretty safe medicine. That sounds like kind of a, almost like a miracle drug, right? In some ways, are there any side effects? The side effect, if you will, is the hallucination. So nowhere in medicine do we actually have a framework for mental health treatments that get down to the core of our trauma. What we do here in America and worldwide is we treat the symptoms. Uh, so we have a healthcare system that isn't getting to the root cause of our problems. And that's what these psychedelic medicines do. And that is essentially how you can move past your trauma in a very short amount of time on top of all the anti-inflammatory antioxidant benefits that you do get specifically from psilocybin. Wow. So how does it help with your trauma and with the hallucinations? How does that work? So this medicine has been used for tens of thousands of years by indigenous tribes. It's been used three different ways, uh, specifically magic mushrooms or psilocybin. 
So uh, coming of age ceremonies, so around seven to 10 years old, they would give this to their child and they would tell them to go out and hunt and then come back. That's where they get all of the nicknames and they would come back to the tribe. And as a coming of age ceremony, uh, older men in the tribe would take smaller amounts of this medicine to hone in visual acuity, as well as auditory acuity for hunting and war. And then the shaman or the medicine woman or man, anytime there was sickness in the tribe would come in with a large dose ceremony, dose the group or the village and essentially knock out the depression or the flu or whatever that village was dealing with. So from the context of that, we have a lot of knowledge base, not we, uh, mostly these Native American tribes. And so what people have been doing now is, is taking this information uh, and applying it in the medical context. And what happens when you take this medicine it has an amazing ability to exasperate what is at the forefront of the mind. So if you are very intentional, there's three things that you have to manage, set, setting, and dosage. So your set is your mindset. Why are you taking this medicine? And what do you want to accomplish? Intention. Your setting is where you take it. So you may hear things where People take too high of a dose and they go to a concert and they have a really bad trip. That's because you got two things wrong, dosage and the actual setting that you took it in. So in therapy and where these clinical trials are happening, it's one person to one individual, a high dose, lying down, 432 hertz music, uh, just a really calming environment to then work with the therapist to process the trauma based off of the set intention that you brought to the ceremony. Wow. That's really, that's really cutting edge. I feel like I'm in a sci-fi movie right now. <laughs> um, Nikki, do you have any questions or comments? I have two podcasts. I have a podcast I do for men. I had a fellow on my podcast for men, Dr. Evan Lewis. And this guy is really big into using psychedelics to treat injuries uh, like the ones you've talked about, but also to treat people with psychotic kind of mental illness. You know what I mean? The kind of folks who could harm themselves or other people with that. And I'm wondering if inside of what you guys are trying to do with your company, that's an area that you're exploring as well. It's not, but essentially what we propose to the FDA, there's no well-validated endpoints for traumatic brain injury because it's so heterogeneous, meaning each person is so different, it's just going to be near impossible to nail down these types of endpoints. People are working on it. I have heard a lot of Evan's research and people with psychosis or voices, psilocybin, and there's a lot of literature on this that people can go read, has really helped to not remove the voices, uh, but similar to what it did for me. I had a lot of negative self-talk when I was a hockey player, because that's just, we always get yelled at. And, and that's sure. sometimes how wow. we motivate ourselves. My youngest that boy has, plays goalie, man, double A. Oh, so you know, <laughs> yeah. What the amazing thing that happened, and I didn't have this intention, but after the ceremony, I started to talk to myself in a positive manner. And as you know, um, Nikki, you know, the heart knows and the soul knows. And that is the same experience that happened with these patients that tried these high doses of these psychedelics. The voices didn't go away, 
but they turned into uh, more positive reinforcing types of voices. And that's so, yeah. huge. And I can only imagine well, how many I, people it can help now. Yeah, I, I, I'm sure it, that, 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 that knowledge existed, but it was just a distrust of the information source that kept it from getting into the public you know, if it wasn't developed in a university or something, right, it couldn't have any value. And it turns out that you have these thousands of years of human trials, and we just missed it. And we're trying to get more funding for research to basically research a number of different variety of conditions. Obviously, most of the research is pointing towards depression, treatment, resistant depression, anxiety, PTSD, MAPS is in phase three with the FDA using MDMA or ecstasy as most of us know it for PTSD. And it's a really simple solution if you think of it objectively. Number one, they were using this in the 1940s, 50s, 60s, and 70s before everything got scheduled to schedule one mm -hmm. and the Nixon era. And so it literally just shut down all research, but we were scratching the surface and we were close to integrating it into psychiatry. And when the war on drugs happened, everything essentially stopped and it's since been revived around you know 2003 and it's just a really amazing exciting time to be alive it's also a difficult time to be alive because we get shown a lot of information but what i do like to say is as alan watts said it's yin and yang it's for as much good there's just enough bad and for enough bad there's there's just enough good it's it's a really healthy balance of 50-50 in the universe and it's always been like that and it will always be like that no matter what they decide to show us and i think that this is part of that good that'll help a lot of people heal can i ask you though i mean just that i grew up thinking of psychedelic mushrooms as being a danger and something you know because of the freaky trips and everything like that and what's your opinion on recreational use do you think that that's a direction that we should go or not do you think it's better really if it's just in a controlled environment i believe that everybody has a right to their own decision making process and consciousness i believe that two of the schedule 1 drugs being cannabis and mushrooms that grow out of the earth that the government has deemed illegal with no medicinal value and highly abusive is incorrect. And we as a nation are now going through the most rigorous scientific uh, process, which is the FDA. Unfortunately, I have to raise over 200 to $300 million to go through this process. And this is with an isolated compound. I cannot create a full spectrum of medicine. So what I believe about recreational use is that when I first found this therapy, I started to do these decriminalized nature movements and they're really well done. And there's a lot of really good resources. So harm reduction, I am 100% behind. Meaning if you are going to try these medicines, you need to do your research and you need to do them in a responsible way. But there's over a hundred cities now in the United States that have decriminalized magic mushrooms, MDMA, psilocybin, as well as cacti and ayahuasca. So in these cities, there are a lot of programs where people are teaching others how to use this medicine. And if we do that in a responsible manner, I think that that is one avenue that can work. There is a statewide medical program that was approved in Oregon, Measure 109, it will be the first statewide psilocybin program 
and that those applications open up January 2nd in 2023. So you will no longer have to fly to Mexico, Peru, and out of the country for fear of being arrested to use this medicine. And I also believe in the path that I chose as far as developing a drug, because I think concussion survivors need a diagnosis and they need a drug to take because as you heard, I was not going to be able to manage my life and my symptoms as well as grow, et cetera, et cetera, with the recreational aspects. So I believe in statewide run programs approved by state medical boards. I believe in working on legislation to deschedule these drugs that have been deemed FDA breakthrough therapy designation and some of them that are past phase three. So there's a lot of efficacy. And I believe in the decriminalized nature movement as well, where people should have access to their own decision-making power and medicine. That's excellent. So how can people get a hold of you if they want to join you with this movement? Well, I encourage people to go to decriminalizenature.com if you'd like to learn about the statewide initiatives. MAPS is an amazing resource and an amazing organization. And then uh, people can just follow me on social media and um, I'm going to be a lot more vocal now that uh, we are, you know, getting some finality with our, with our company. You know what? That is groundbreaking. You are really pushing the envelope of medicine and I applaud you for that. That is really cool. Now we're going to go a different direction, but still something totally cool. I love what Jav is doing. So we have Jav Sid with cut and make crafts and you know, the old crafting where you sit and you cut with Paris's or all this. She's using a computer and telling people how to use computers to help them with their crafting and giving them designs, all sorts of stuff. So welcome, Jav. Tell us all about what you're doing. So I am Jav from Cut and Make Crafts, and I teach people how to design and sell SVG cut files. For those of you who don't know what SVG cut files are, there are images in simple term. They're just images that are compatible with the cutting software, which is used by the cutting machine to cut out the graphics. So basically you design a SVG on your computer, you upload it on the design software, the machine reads it and cuts it out on a vinyl, like an iron on vinyl, and then you can put it on your t-shirt. You're teaching other people how to do this, right? Yep. So I help crafters with full-time jobs, busy moms who don't have enough time to sell physical handmade products to instead sell digital cut files so that they can make passive income on autopilot so that they don't have to be in their business 24 seven when they have other things to work on. Well, that's really great. There's a huge market out there for creatives and crafting, and it's a neat way to express yourself. If you have a design or if you have an idea for a design, you can help them create the files and sort of put a professional finish on it. And then you can give these away as gifts, or you also have a, a commercial license, right? So if somebody comes mm -hmm. to you, then they can use that for commercial purposes and sell it. What's the difference between the two types of licenses? When it comes to digital cut files, it can get really tricky, but it's very simple. There are two types of licenses that come with an SVG cut files usually. There's personal license and there's commercial license. With the personal license, you can create to give as gifts to friends and families, but you can't really sell 
the physical products made out of the digital files that you bought. And then there's a commercial license, which allows you to sell the physical products that you make using the digital cut files. So for example, if somebody makes this t-shirt to sell at a craft fair or in their Etsy shop, then they would need to have the commercial license for that design or else they won't be able to sell it. And if they get caught, they are going to get in big trouble. Yeah. yeah. I'd like to go to Kenya for a question. Can you use this for mass production? Like how many units can you produce at one given time? Yes, you can definitely do it. It totally depends on how good you're at it. So some professional t-shirt makers, they'll make around 20 to 30 t-shirts in one hour if they're super good at it, if they're pros and uh, they have a streamlined process for cutting out the designs and then applying it on the t-shirts like one after the other. It's really interesting how this has uh, evolved and it's sort of part of the gig economy. And it's really neat because it allows anybody who wants to make some extra money to make a small investment. And if you're mm -hmm. creative and people are attracted to your designs, it's a great way to make a second income for sure. What's special about this was she was able to make a procedure for it that people could follow. So I think that's the hard part. It's like, yeah, I'm really creative. I can make these designs, but then how do I monetize it? And she was able to do that. So Nikki, do you have a question or comment? What's your monetization plan? How do you plan to turn this into a fabulous revenue stream for yourself? So I've already turned this into a revenue. So I have like a blog where people can get free SVG cut files. And then I also sell my designs on multiple platforms. I also do business coaching for moms or crafters with full-time jobs who want to design and sell SVG cut files because you don't really need a lot of initial investment when you're starting out with this niche. You just need to learn how to use the software. And if you're creative, you can literally create your designs and get them up and see the money coming in a matter of days. Like, for example, uh, one of my clients, within 10 months, she went from 12 sales to more than 700 sales from selling on one platform. She is now selling on three different platforms. So if you're consistent and if you are crafty, there's nothing stopping you from growing your business in just a couple of months. That's amazing. There's a lot of people who are doing this. Is this like a big marketplace of people? Yes, definitely. Like, especially right now, the cutting machine industry is just growing and growing and is expected by 2023, it's expected to be around $1 billion. It's still something new and there's a huge growth. There's a huge market out there. A lot of people can make a ton of money in the next couple of years, even if they start now. That sounds really great. One thing though, you have to be careful with is the copyrights. If you create a file of like the Harley Davidson logo or something like that. Yeah. Uh, just expect Harley Davidson to come after you, right? Because they're very aggressive about protecting their logos. I think the true creators love this outlet, right? Because I'm not crafty. I'm not one of them, but people like Kenya, who is just amazing. She came up with a logo for Passage to Profit. 
I would consider myself to be very visual. So I can slap something together if I have to. (laughs) (laughs) So how can people get in touch with you and how can they learn more about your business and more about SVG design? So it's very simple. Just check out my website, cut and with the letter N, make crafts, no dots, uh, no hyphens, just straight cut and make crafts.com. Uh, you can visit my website and check out the free masterclass uh, where you can learn how to start your own SVG cut file business. And you can follow me on Instagram for all the fun stuff and behind the scenes. And are you Jav Sid on Instagram, J-A-V-S-I-D? It's Cut and Make Crafts, the name of my website. This is such a great business for a person. For somebody who is at home with kids or somebody who doesn't want to work full-time, like so many people left the workforce because of COVID, don't want Mm -hmm. to go back. And if they can do something like this, if they're really creative, they can make money and they don't have to go back. So Jav, if I just wanted like 10 t-shirts that said, your heart love. Would I be able to find a person who has one of these cricket machines? I'd like, where would I find somebody to make me 10 t-shirts that's already doing this that you're talking about? So you can find them on Marketplace. A lot of people sell custom t-shirts on Marketplace or even on Etsy. If you just look for customized t-shirts or something like that, personalized t-shirts, or even on Instagram, a lot of people, it's very easy to find them. Okay. Excellent. And Nikki has to go be on another podcast because he's so popular. But thank you, Nikki, for joining us today. People can find you at ecircleacademy.com. Is that right? Yeah, that's a great place. There's all kinds of resources there. And if anyone wants to jump on a call with me, there's a button to to book a call and love to stay connected with everybody. God bless you all. Thank you so much. We'll be back with more Passage to Profit right after this. There's never been a better time to start your own business. The opportunities are infinite and only limited by your imagination and enthusiasm. At Gearheart Law, we believe the most successful companies all have one thing in common. They start with a solid foundation first. Gearheart Law has years of experience protecting entrepreneurs' ideas and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name, that you want to protect, contact the experts at www.gearheartlaw.com. Our professionals will create a custom strategy designed to fit your needs and your budget. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection, licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Visit gearheartlaw.com. Together, we can change the world. Visit G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Now more with Richard and Elizabeth. Passage to Profit. What is our question of the week, Elizabeth? Our question of the week is, what business book have you read lately or you're reading now that you're finding value from? So let's start with Daniel. Daniel, what book are you reading? So I am reading, rereading for probably the 10th time. It's called The Joy of Living, Yungi Minyor Rinpoche. And it's basically a beginner's guide to spirituality, meditation, breath work, and just living in the present moment. Excellent. Thank you. So let's go to Jav. Jav, what book are you reading? So I am currently trying to learn everything about selling. So I am reading The Art of Closing the Sale by Brian Tracy. I just finished his other book, The Psychology of Selling. Loved it. 
learned a lot. So um, I'm trying to finish everything that he's written. Excellent. Excellent. Okay, Kenya, you're up. So I'm reading Exercise for the Soul by Dr. Bernie Siegel. And it's not really a business book, but it's helping me develop something that's related to my business. I think any work that you do on yourself is work on your business. Any book that is like helping you figure out yourself helps you with your business. I couldn't agree more. And I'm reading the book, the very good book by Stephen Chandler, and it's called Reinventing Yourself. A while ago, I read The Body Keeps the Score, which uh -huh. again is a self-help book telling you how you can try to release trauma from your body, how your body holds on to trauma and how you can work on ways to release it. And Daniel is working in that same area, but he's using new medicines to do that. It's really an important area. So I enjoyed that book a lot, but what I'm actually reading for business right now is not a book, but I'm learning as much as I can about all the new stuff that Google is rolling out next year and kind of how to use it. So Google has some amazing new things. They're redoing a whole bunch of stuff and I don't want to advertise for Google, but you'll see it in 2023, all the new stuff they're rolling out. So they're doing videos and blogs and stuff about it now. That's what I've kind of been focused on. Sounds great. So we had Nikki Blue on the show. He had to run to go be on another show. And he was with E-Circle Academy and he's all about thought leadership. And he has a seminar that he gives or a series of workshops that he gives that you can find on his website, ecircleacademy.com. He was an amazing guest, yeah. very powerful mm -hmm. speaker with very powerful stories. And if you missed it, you really need to listen to the podcast tomorrow. And then we had Daniel Sarsillo. He has Wasana Health, W-E-S-A-N-A health.com. And he is really trying to bring revolutionary new medicines that have been pushed to the side because people thought they were fun drugs and not really medicines, but they really are medicines. He's trying to bring those to the forefront because they really do help people heal. And so you can get a hold of him through wasanahealth.com. Really exciting new area of medicine and therapy. And also decriminalizednature.com is another place to look for the people that are, like he said, stuff growing out of the ground shouldn't be illegal to ingest. Anyways, there's a whole movement on this and, and these medicines are helping people. And then we had Jav Sid with cutandmakecrafts.com and that's spelled C-U-T-N-M-A-K-E crafts.com. She's helping people start businesses, people that are very creative. And it's just really cool what she's doing. And so unfortunately, we need to sign off now for this week, but we'll return to this station next week with another episode of Passage to Profit. Before we go, I'd like to thank the Passage to Profit team, Noah Fleischman, our producer, Alicia Morrissey, our program director, and Mark Wilson, our syndication manager. Our podcast can be found tomorrow anywhere you find your podcast. Just look for the Passage to Profit show. And don't forget to like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And remember, while the information on this program is believed to be correct, never take a legal step without checking with your legal professional. Professional first. Take care, everybody. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week. 